There once was a man named Gold Roger who was king of the pirates. He had fame, power, and wealth beyond your wildest dreams. Before they hung him from the gallows, these were the final words he said. Our perspective is yours for the taking, but you'll have to join us first. We left everything we debated at the Yonko table. Ever since, pirates from all over the world set sail for the Grand Line, searching for the Yonko table, the table that will make their dreams come true. Yo! Ya yo, ya yo, everyone. The Yonko table has set sail yet again, and this time we are setting sail straight for the island of Pixar, where we get to see Pixar's 25th animated film, Turning Red. This film has been the talk of the week the past couple of days. Everyone's been watching it on Disney Plus, and this movie's got a lot of accolades to its name. It's the first female, fully female directed Pixar movie, uh, first fully female creative team behind the film, and the first Asian led story. So, this is a lot of exciting news for Pixar's film. And with us, as always, is fellow Yonko, Grandmaster Hoop. Grandmaster, are you turning red yourself? Um, not physically, but uh, from embarrassment, I've I've turned red before, metaphorically speaking. Um, so uh, layers to why this movie is pretty darn good. It was pretty good. Um, so yeah, I'm here for turning red. I'm here. I'm here for my girl, May, and the crew, and Ming and folks, and here we are. I'm ready. Uh, yeah, good stuff here. There is a lot of good stuff. I am here for all of them as well. And also my boys for town. Oh, <laughs> goodness. We all stand for town. Well, I stand for town. You gotta choose one though. You gotta oh out of the uh out of I'm the, Team Jesse. Team Jet wait, who's Team Jesse? <laughs> He's one Steve. of the four towners. Oh, you're talking about the individual names. Yes. I thought you meant some oh. boy bands. Oh, yes. <laughs> the, oh, forget it. We'll we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But we also have supernovas and admirals with us here today to help us deep dive into turning red. Get ready to spread that butter with Toasty. No relation to Grandmaster Hoop, Hooper TV. Hi, I'm Dr. Rika from the Yonko Table, and you're not watching Disney Channel. But let's jump straight into it. What did you guys think about Pixar's 25th film? This is the, again, the 25th film that they've hashed out. Um, I think uh, the last one that came out was, uh, was it Soul? Soul was the last one that came out. Mm -hmm. No, it was not. It was Luca. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Our boy Luca. I mean, overall thoughts. What did you guys think about Turning Red? Did you, was it one of Pixar's, Great. Was it one of the best films they had? Was it an all right film? I, I like the relatability of of the film because I feel like anyone going through <laughs> puberty at that age has has dealt with some level of embarrassment from whether it be friends, family, going out. Like it's I don't know. I, I like that aspect about the movie. But what did you guys think? Here, uh, I'll go ahead and listen. It's a great movie. It was really good. Um, you know. It's hard to sometimes get used to a different kind of Pixar style of animation. Uh, sometimes, you know, just coming in, you're like, oh, this looks kind of silly and goofy. Also, you come in with the notion that here's another person of color as the main character being turned into what seems to be a gimmick as far as they can't be themselves the whole 
film, but they are smart here at Pixar. Uh, shout out to Domi Shi. Uh, this movie was fantastic. They turned the girl into a red panda and it's purposeful and I like it and I'm here for it. And I'm here for the period piece of the 2000s. It's fun. It's That's different. interesting. I, I, you yes. never see a lot of films that go back to the early 2000s. We've <laughs> made it to that point where we can. Uh, so it's a thing now. 2000s is more than 20 years ago. So it, you can do it. You're allowed to do it. But yes, I thoroughly enjoyed this film for many reasons. And to name a few, as I just did. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of, to like here. It's a, it's in reality, not that crazy of a story. And I think that's what's really, I like metaphors. Okay. We're going to get into it, but it works. It works. I guess I can go next. Um, it was a pretty good movie. It was a pretty good watch. Pixar usually does, um, a lot of good thing. Um, and was it the rest movie? I don't think so, but in terms of what they have released in the last couple movies, it was pretty on point with what they have done. So it's enjoyable. It's a fun movie to watch with the family. And that's it really. Yeah. I will admit I, I need to catch up on my uh my Pixar catalog. That's a shame, my man. Come on. I haven't <laughs> seen I haven't seen every I haven't seen Soul yet. <laughs> I, Why are you paying for Disney Plus then? It's 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 on the list. It's on the list. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. Uh but I did see Luca, surprisingly. And the, the time frame between Luca and, and whatever was the last Pixar movie I saw, which I think was onward. Okay, I, I mean onward. From before onward, uh from the last Pixar movie I ever saw was a pretty big gap. Um I really liked Luca. Uh, I feel like it was kind of like a sleeper hit in a way because I feel like no one was really talking about it. At least, or maybe I saw it way too late. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I think this is probably one of Pixar's better films, at least in terms of recent years. Um, people didn't really talk about Soul too much. I don't know if you guys heard anything about it. Like, was that anyone's... I'll get into it why. later. There's, I'm going to bring it up later. Remind okay. me. Yeah, it was a boring movie. It was the worst out of all their movies that I've seen. My opinion, anyway. <laughs> Thank God. The worst oh, yeah. of all time? That's, um, yeah. I, need I feel to like go. that crown belongs to the good dinosaur or Cars 2. But, um, Honestly, uh, yeah, I also wasn't I haven't a big seen fan good dinosaur. Soul. That's a good point. So, yeah, that's a good point, Hoover TV. I haven't seen good dinosaurs. So, um, Honestly, I forgot you, about you that. Don't movie. Have to. You have don't to. have to. You have to. You have to complete the collection. You have it's like to. collecting it, it was... those poke. It's like collecting <laughs> Pokemon gems or rings. Like you have to go to every gem. You have to beat everyone, no matter if you like it or not. So with Pixar, I, I'm actually gonna watch that movie. I think there's today. fifteen. I think there's fifteen better Land Before Time movies that you could oh, watch instead of that a good bad dinosaur. No way. There's no way. <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, there's some good Land Before Time movies. That's the thing, I think. 15 uh, Land Before Times? There's a lot of Land Before Time movies. Yeah. And they had a good run. I know I run. know. there's that many, but 15 <laughs> better than the good dinosaurs. And that was a TV show also, so. There was a Land Before show. Time TV show. I forgot yeah. about that. It's wild. Um, but coming back to Turning Red, I mean, how would you guys yeah. compare it to, like, the recent Pixar? Yeah, coming back to Turning Red. Comparing it to who? That's the thing about the recent Pixar, Pixar films. Oh, yeah. But what's like, about recent? It's unfortunate you... that you have to do this thing. 
Well, okay, no, I mean, like, because there's there, there's two arguments, right? There's the one where you compare it to their entire catalog, and then I feel like also an important yeah. one is how they've been doing it recently, because Pixar for the last, uh, I, w- I want to say like maybe four or five years ago, they were stuck in uh, sequelitis hell. They were yes. only making sequels to their properties, and some of them were good, but others they were cut. Toy Story Four was great. I, I don't know what you uh, guys are. Thinking. Toy Story <laughs> is like the only one that counts, but yeah, it's fine. The Incredible Two, fine. come on, y'all. Mm-mm. Don't you dare! Don't you? Okay, that I can agree on. Toy Incredibles <laughs> Two was, you know was not that good. Okay. Um, but but that's what I mean. Like recently, Pixar has been going back into. Um, original territory, right? They're trying to make new original ideas. And I feel like we see a lot of that with movies like Soul, uh, Onward, and now, um, uh, well, also Luca and Turning Red. I don't know if there's another one that I've missed uh, in terms of like recent Pixar, but yeah, I guess recently, like the last like, uh, what, four or five years, how would you rate this uh, movie compared to the films that Pixar's released in that time frame? Oh, uh, it's number one. Number one, okay. Better, better than Luca. Better than Soul. Better than Onward. And then before that was Toy Story Four. It's, it's not better, better than, than Toy, Toy Story. It is don't better you dare, than Toy don't Story you Four. Dare. No, it's it is, not. <laughs> it is better than Toy Story Four. This Toy Story Four is just an existential crisis road trip of a film. And that's all great. it is. <laughs> I, I, it is great, but this film is better. It works better. Are you yeah. sure you were not drinking today? I, I have not been. I'm not Irish. You, you were probably um, asleep. You were probably asleep in Toy Story. 4. I was. I did doze off at one point in Toy Story Four. I did not doze off any point in this movie. And I, I'm tired of being a behind the bush about it. I want to get into what makes this movie so good. It's better than all those films. It's Luca's a close second. Luca. Luca's a close Luca, second. Luca's. They do similar things. They do similar things where, you know, both of these stories feel smaller. You know, they're not on the scale of Wally, where it's about, you know, bringing the earth back to life. Um, or even, you know, a movie about, I don't know, existential crisis with uh, Toy Story 4. Um, they both feel smaller. They feel like the characters, like, you know, there's like only one, maybe two settings that they kind of focus on. Um, I just think Luca kind of hits me more emotionally when it kind of comes time for that, you know, classic Pixar gut punch. <sighs> Luca got to me much harder than that move. This movie turning red, but we'll get into that. I'm sure. And I would say mine is the opposite. Um, so I actually really like soul, but this is not a soul podcast, so I'm not going to get into it. Uh, but I really liked turning red. Uh, I think for what you just shared, but just kind of in the opposite direction, I really liked Luca too. And I think it was something that maybe folks didn't talk about as much um last year when because it yes it did come out last year compared to, to some of the other films that whether related to disney or related to pixar that had come out but yeah turning red i think so much of and we shared in our own like separate group chat uh, a lot of just like being a weird 13 year old girl who's also like a girl of color um a lot of what was shared and depicted in this film i could relate to a lot of as far as like obsession with boy bands and like having no idea what to do whenever your body is changing and family expectations and trying to maintain friendships and then all of those things happening at once under the cover of like particular cultural expectations and how you're supposed to navigate the world in the early 2000s so all of that was me uh, of course the different culture 
but a, a lot of what was depicted like more emotionally resonated with me just as a person who was a weird 13 year old girl um so yeah i but i did really like luke and I, I agree that a lot of their more recent properties have been more original or just let's do something a little bit different and see what happens i think some of that has been more successful i think oddward was all right um maybe not their best but i feel like soul did something a little different whether I've heard kind of folks that haven't really liked it. And then I've heard folks who really liked it. And one of the folks in that like really liked camp. Um, I liked Luca as well. And then of course I, I really enjoyed Turning Red. So I'm team original movies in general. Um, I like to see folks yes. just try Superior. to experiment uh, <laughs> compared to, you know, I think sequels have their place. I think reboots have their place, but frankly, I'm always going to support films that is something new. And so that's what I really appreciate it being able to see lately with uh, with Pixar. I second that. I think um, I'm here for the swings and that's not all of them connect for me. Um, some feel like big misses, some feel like, you know, like doubles up the middle or something. I don't know if I'm using good baseball lingo, but um, I'd much rather them like continue on this kind of original um, kind of groove they're in. I know we got Lightyear next, it's so weird, maybe. I don't know if that's an original property or not, but um, I'm definitely here for this groove and I hope they stick with it because I much prefer this era over the Finding Dory, The Incredibles 2, <laughs> um, Toy Story Cars 4. Three? They nailed yeah. it with 3. They nailed it with Toy Story 3. And then they said, what if we did it again? And Just one more. They Just did not. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> Surprised for the lack of love for Onward. That was my favorite of the last few movies. I actually like that movie. I'm surprised. I feel like Onward came out right before or right as the pandemic was kicking off. That's when it came out. Right. Theaters. It came, yeah, before, it was the same yeah. week as like the pandemic hit. I think I went to the theaters and like looked around and nobody was there. I was like, hmm, something. <laughs> Why is no one here? <laughs> it was the yeah. pandemic. <laughs> Enough, folks. It is time now we stop drawing comparisons between Pixar's great because why P Pixar in the pit with another Pixar? Let's talk about why this one stands above the rest in the pit. All right. And I think y'all are being around the bush about it. But with originality, which this film is at the heart of it all, it's simplicity. It is a simple plot with a. Uh, you know, a funny metaphor tossed in there for, you know, a visual. And it works. It's a 13-year-old girl discovering life and, you know, appeasing family traditions, being a young girl. All the while, the red panda serves as a metaphor for everything she's going through. And it works. I found the plot super simple. They're trying to go to a concert and she's turned into a red panda. I thought that was hilarious. And it's, and you know, and I think also too, the plot twists of everyone just likes the panda. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. If my friend could turn into a red panda, that'd be pretty cool. Let's like, monetize it. Let's monetize, <laughs> let's go see Four Town. Like, I can't believe this plot centers around just girls trying to go to a concert. That sounds like an episode of Hannah Montana. Granted, Hannah Montana throws her own concerts. Either way, there is beauty and simplicity. I, I love the plot. Uh, the plot works for me. Um, 
Okay. Right, I don't want to come in too hot with criticisms, but Swing. I don't even think this is a criticism. <laughs> There's something about the red panda that kind of like discombobulated me for a bit. Because at first they kind of presented it as like, you know, you talked about symbolism as if it was like supposed to be, she's, you know, experienced her first period, right? You know, like the mom brings out the pad, she's turning red and stuff. And um, so at first I was like, oh, okay, this is like clearly like supposed to be like her experiencing her first menstrual cycle, I guess. I don't, I don't want to get too technical because I will embarrass myself. But, um, but then, you know, her mom, it's about like her like getting to the stage where she can like give it up at that age. And then like, you know, her other family members like gave it up early and then like she can use it sometimes but not other times so she's like kind of more in control and it's like that one-to-one -one kind of you know i guess relation or symbolism kind of lost me would you guys agree with that like i don't know if it was a one-to-one -one, this is what turning red means or being a panda means it felt closer to maybe like growing up transitioning would you guys agree with that you mean like the panda represents the the coming of age is, is is that what you mean i think so like puberty okay. i'm not too sure you know i feel like you could it didn't apply feel like a one-to-one -one, right like this is supposed to be a period well, well that's the thing i feel like you can interchange the red panda with a lot of you know different perspectives as to what it can relate to i know i mean uh, like okay so i i thought it was her coming to terms with womanhood you know going through puberty and everything uh, but I also feel like a lot of elements um, dealt with, you know, someone coming out to their family, like from the LGBT perspective, um, whether it's like their sexuality, wh whether they're lesbian, transgender, gay, whatever. Um, there were a lot of moments in there where I was like, I feel like this movie was almost written a different way originally, like maybe something more like uh, maybe uh, Malin was... Um, was uh, homosexual and Disney was like, no, we don't want to do a story about that. Make it a little bit more lighthearted. Let's make her turn into a panda and, and she's just embarrassed over everything. It's, I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm like, wow, I feel like the red panda is supposed to represent like, you know, for example, someone that's in the LGBT community, um, you know, when they want to come out, it's not always sunshine and rainbows from like their family members especially their parents sometimes they don't approve and sometimes when they discover that their uh child is you know gay or lesbian then they kind of try to suppress that they try to shut it down they they tell them like you know the fam like this is something that sometimes happens in the family but you know just <laughs> get rid of it don't worry about it but then going back to what you were saying hooper tv about like when she's learning to control it, I guess the red panda, I saw that as her coming to terms with her sexuality, like with her friends, right? Like when she's with her friends, she just can be herself and she doesn't have to worry about suppressing anything about herself, whether it's to appease someone or try to get approval from her parents, she can just be herself. Uh, so that, that that's one element that I could see like, if you don't see it from the womanhood perspective, I could see it from LGBT. I could see it from a bunch of other different lenses that I don't think it's tied to just one thing that you have to automatically assume this movie is just about that, if that makes sense. 
No, that makes perfect sense, especially since she's from an immigrant family. So um, for those of us who are from immigrants, family, culture tends to be different than what's expected in Canadian or American. You tend to be more strict. So it makes sense that she's willing to sacrifice anything, I guess, that will make her unique or different and then fall in line with everybody else, which happens a lot in any immigrant culture. You cannot deviate from the rest. You cannot have your own opinion. It's either you agree with the group as a whole or you're an outcast. So it could be viewed as multiple things like that also. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, go ahead, Dr. Rico. No, I was going to say, I think that what is interesting about them basically using a metaphor is that it can be taken from a lot of different perspectives based off of then who the viewer is. Because uh, I certainly it was menstruation for me. I was watching it and I was like, yeah. I mean, of course they have the scene in which there were like specific, like here are vitamins and here's ibuprofen, here's a hot water bottle and here are pads, which I will talk about this scene a little bit because that was very impactful for me. At least what my experience was being a person that had went through this is like people acknowledge it as something and then it becomes a secret the rest of the, your life. Despite the fact that half of the population of the planet experiences this in some way, it's like, okay, we have this aisle in the grocery store and drugstore that, you know, folks go grab their things, but it's so secret as far as like how folks will tampons or, or pads. And it's something that there's like a lot of shame around and this like secrecy and lack of conversation of just the fact that it's a normal thing that we can't control that just happens. And so I did really appreciate that. I think what I took away from kind of that suppression is like that act of, of like secrecy. We're like, okay, yeah, it's something that you experienced. Congrats. You've achieved like womanhood, but now it's something that we just don't talk about as often as much, unless it's amongst ourselves. Um, and so that's how I interpreted it. I think I really appreciate the fact that there was that scene in the movie where it was just a normal, like, here's herbal tea, because this is something that's going to be helpful. And here are other particular products. And like, this is just, it's something that happens and, and we're not going to shame you for it. Um, as she navigated the rest of the movie, though, it was about her having to come into her own journey and, and accepting that part of herself and that this is part of her journey. Um, so I definitely took it more so in the menstruation puberty route and connect it to the use of, you know, her turning into the red panda in that way. Um, but I'll stop so that other folks can share. No, I think that's really good, really insightful. I feel like it's like almost changing my perspective on like kind of my own interpretation of it. Cause it's interesting sort of what you were saying about the suppression. Cause like, I took it as like, you know, the moms got rid of the panda. They got rid of their menstrual cycle. And I'm like, that's, I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. But to kind of like, you know, <laughs> stick with like kind of your view of it, you know, um it's like they're suppressing like maybe something else or what that makes them and the sense of like just uh stick with the symbolism they all have that talisman you know it is still with them you know what you're saying they're just kind of like you know it's acknowledged when you first get it like you were saying and then you suppress it and you move through life without without kind of acknowledging again and that's kind of what the moms are doing with the talisman um, so yeah, I think that's really, really interesting and makes me kind of, you know, maybe you wanted to revisit it and like give it another walk, you know, that kind of blends in mind. So I think it works on so many levels, just however you want to interpret it. I like from the get go, when they just blatantly said, you know, uh, menstruation in the film, 
uh, and, you know, pads and all, everything that she got from that. I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. And then even the scene when she's in her room all alone and she's kind of just, you know, curled up in the fetal position. Uh, I mean, I'm not a woman, but I've seen some women go through that. I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty accurate. Uh, <laughs> as far as just leave me alone, curled up. And it, she looked like she was going through it, but you know, she's going through her panda transformations. But um, yeah, I think I, the suppression part is the, I think the overall thing in right. whatever life or whatever your cultural uh, culture calls for. Sometimes you're called to suppress certain things at many times. Uh, you know, she, uh, the, the menstruation is probably like number one metaphor, but like just emotions too. And being this perfect child, she was supposed to be laid out by her mother. You know, at times her transformation was triggered just by pure emotion. Uh, she got angry at, uh, you know, uh, the ritual being the same night as Fort town. She transformed, she gets embarrassed. Uh, and even, uh, when she was lusting, when she was drawing those pictures, she was about to have her first transformation. And that's also why I thought it was womanhood too. I'm like, oh no, she's getting a little too excited. She's open Pandora's box. <laughs> right. And she couldn't stop. So uh, I think, yeah, I think it works on many levels. And that's why it's that's why it's even better of a metaphor, just the panda in general. Um, Cause yeah, then the, like the grandma and the mother, uh, the aunties, uh, yeah, they. For, it, it, I also think the panda is like part of yourself that you don't want to share because whether it's like to be kept in line, uh, you know, honor your family or whatnot, or for whatever reason, you got to embrace your panda. You got to embrace your, you're a four townie like Tyler. He needs to embrace that. He's a four towner. And that's his panda. Tyler. You know, he puts on a front that he's just this like cool kid with the Vince Carter jersey. Uh, so um, you got to embrace your panda. May was struggling to embrace her panda, whatever form that was. The panda changed. The panda was fluid. There you go. Ooh. Ooh. Zane. Ooh. Okay. The panda is fluid. <laughs> uh, just to bounce off of that, who I came close to hating Tyler. And it was like, <laughs> and I think I did hate him at one point in the movie. I think um, you're supposed to. But he's... He's well, it was like it was like you know, they introduce him, and you kind of think, like, oh, they're gonna redeem this character at some point. Um, right. and then he like you know, started yelling at her at the birthday party and like made her attack him. And I was just like, oh, I hate this kid, this kid could get out of here. Um, and then you know, just when I thought, all right, there's no going back, there's no redeeming this kid, they slightly did it. I don't know if it was all the way, but like you know, they slightly did it, making him a four townie. Um, I thought his arc was, was nice. It was, I think it's because he was a four townie. It made us more accepting of him. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, but I mean, even four town, even four town themselves, they, they, they got a lot of bangers <laughs> in this episode. I mean, in this movie, I think I, I they did. I mean, um, they have three songs. What's a whole lot? Bangers, bangers, all one, every two, single three. one of them. Fine, all cannot, three are bangers. Fine. All three. You cannot, you cannot listen to one and say, "Oh, this is mid." No, all amazing. Don't you dare. The low mid. The low. Well, mid. you can thank um, Billy and Phineas. Oh, the from Billy Eilish. No, gosh, no, that's her brother, Phineas. 
They wrote all the songs. <laughs> did they? Oh, okay. Yes, they did. Yes, oh, they right. did. That's interesting. Brian, Jordan who, Fisher is is like the lead vocalist. Jordan Fisher is Robert, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, who's Jordan Fisher? A uh, a monster behind the mic. Uh, he's he, he's a yes. He, he's he's in High School Musical, the musical, the series. Oh, the series or the movie? He appeared he in the series. Oh, okay. yeah. never mind. I haven't seen but the series. He's also in that trash Teen Beach movie and its sequel. He was, only... live. he was in Greece Live. I... He was in Greece Live. He was in that Netflix movie. He did Rent Live as well. He, he did, did uh... Rent Live, okay. yes. He was... Yeah. And he also I'll had say... a stint as um, John Dear Lawrence. Evan... He was also Evan Hansen. He... Look at us. We're just naming wow. his credits. Right. Yeah. He's, a, he's, more gonna... the, yeah, he's very much in the theater world, but dabbles okay. into some TV too. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, to- Toasty. He's... um. He's Bart Allen on The Flash. Oh, snap. Really? The one, the grandson or whatever. I don't yeah. know who he is in the show. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Oh, snap. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes now you like Town. Yes, of course. Come on, you have to make the connections. Come on. <laughs> we were getting there. Yeah. We're there. We're there. I was going to say this about Town's music. It's like, I liked it. thought it was good. But it felt like, you know, they already had their big hit. And this felt like the second album that wasn't as good as like their first run. It felt like, I don't know, these weren't, um, I was gonna try to name a One Direction song. What was their big one? What Makes You Beautiful? This wasn't like their What Makes You Beautiful. This was like their middle of the career music. I don't think I can name another song. Wow, so this that's is how you feel? I, well, you don't hey, think hold this on. Is There's the some best hits. of Four Town? There are some hits in there. But I don't think this is the best of Fort Town. Like this isn't what what's, made them famous. What's the best of Fort Town? That nineteen, <laughs> that nineteen ninety nine Australia concert she had on CD. Yeah, yes, ah. that probably had some good stuff on it. That was what? probably the best. What album. what nineties boy band do you think they were most trying to emulate? Oh, Backstreet, Backstreet Boys. Boys. Backstreet the, Boys. In the trailer, they were pe- they were playing their song. In, they, in the no, no, they it's, played in sync no. in the trailer. Oh no, you're right, you're right, you're right. In sync, it was in sync. Because they said it's gonna be May. It's gonna be May. You're right. You're right. Oh May. yeah, that's true. And um, all right, there you go. Actually, boys, in sync felt very Justin Timberlake forward. Um, Justice you know. for JC. Yeah, <laughs> right. Justice for JC. <laughs> <laughs> um, more than like, I felt like Backstreet Boys while having like. Was it Nick Carter as a lead? Like they felt more group oriented, at least from what I can remember. I don't think any of them were ever actually the lead. I was just talking about this. They all got solos in the songs. In sync, only JC and Justin got solos. JC should have had more. JC should have had more. Should have had more. He sang with Joe on the Mickey Mouse Club, and it was really good. Um, I was trying to think of some European bands. I couldn't think of any. Oh yeah, like Westlife. Or who's the one? Oh, no, I mean, we probably already thinking about Westlife. There's another one that I can't quite recall from the UK. It's super popular. What I was going to say is I'm so glad, though, that I, I think uh, Grandmaster Hoop had already brought this up, that like a lot of the plot revolved around, let me just get to this concert. Because being a former 13-year-old girl, but also being a current 28-year-old woman who is traveling to go to a concert for a boy band in a couple of weeks. 
very important. I will say <laughs> the general span of my life. You know, I I went, I've been to four different concerts that have been focused on boy bands in my life, about to be five. So yes, very accurate. Um, just the idea of this being the center of someone's life and, uh, and connection to friends too, because I am traveling with a really good friend of mine to go to a concert in a couple of weeks. Like it is just, I, I thought it was, it was just very resonant, uh, but also in a way that was like, just nostalgic for me of like, yeah, we would do that. I am doing that. And I'm, I did that when I was a kid, when I was a tween, a teen, and now as an adult concerts and the idea of boy bands connection to particularly my friends who are also uh, women and girls. Um, yeah, very accurate. So I've really appreciated that as just like a very important element of the movie. No, I, I, I agree. I feel like one of the appeals about its plot is its simplicity compared to how Pixar usually does uh, does their films. Because what most of them are like fantastical uh, journeys, like across like lands or space uh, through the ocean, like, you know, fi finding Nemo, cars, Toy Story. This one's literally just about a girl trying to go see a boy band and I, I and obviously you know the panda part is the 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 pixar element the the, the pixar magic but i think this movie's probably going to stick out from the other ones because of how simple it is um it, it's it's just a down-to-earth story so i i think that's what's going to make it stand out from the, yeah. the pixar movies for a lot of years yeah no it's like um and it's funny because i feel like luca's in a similar boat where i think the story was right about right. like winning a race it eventually became a about winning race. race but um you know even something like luca um actually i think i will still group them together it always felt like there was like a big kind of gimmick even if the story was quote-unquote smaller um you know like and like in toy story like buzz and woody are like going to pizza planet and Sid's house but you know there were toys and that was a thing and like cars was about cars monsters was about monsters even like the human uh centered stories like we're still had like big things happening like the incredibles superheroes <laughs> ratatouille was about a rat um this one's like so kind of like centered where it's just like here are normal people living in an age you we've all lived through and they're just trying to get their concert. Here's this panda element, but like even the panda element compared to like the rest of like Pixar's catalog still felt like a lot more subdued than, you know, some of their biggest, you know, uh, sprinkles they've added into their stories. If this were a DreamWorks movie, she'd be on the run from evil scientists trying to capture the panda. <laughs> and figure Thank out you. what's going on. How can we replicate this to make a mass army of red pandas? The villain's Pixar. an evil scientist, generic yes. evil scientist with no <laughs> motives. He just wants the, the red right, panda right. for corporate greed. Right. Pixar, I think, okay. just does a really good job at perspective, because that's what it is. Pizza Planet doesn't seem a big deal to us because we're humans. But to a toy where a child can get a new toy leaving Pizza Planet for 50 tickets, that's a big deal. You know, Maylin and her friends wanted to go to a four town concert. See, I, I thought about um, our euphoria talks where we say, you know, what happens in their high school is peak for them or what they believe to be peak. They believe this is peak for them. 
And Pixar does a really good job of just putting and you in the is. shoes. As it should be. It, as as they, it should, exactly. Right, because they said if if none of us, if one of us can't go, I don't think none of us should go. We all have to be woman together. Um, oh, gosh, she has some really good friends. I, I I feel like we haven't talked about her friends <laughs> that much. Oh, I love her friends. <laughs> Let's, yes. I mean, what are their names again? Because I just know what they start with, the letters. <laughs> uh, there's Miriam in the green. Okay. Priya. Uh, Priya. Priya. Okay, Priya. And Abby. Abby. We all say Priya, Priya was my favorite. Priya, Priya is my favorite. <laughs> no, I want Priya. Priya is my favorite. Priya is great. Can we oh, agree that Priya is definitely goth, but just isn't currently able to dress as such? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Even, uh, even in her character. Just making sure that we're all on the same page. <laughs> She was Didn't she like kisses somebody or something? Yeah, like she well, like she did charades and the the goth girl comes out and says mortality. She's like, oh, <laughs> nice. She agreed. She agreed. Then, so great. There was some really cool conversation folks were having. I believe it was probably on Twitter of like, at times depending on you know your cultural background and kind of family unit and what is or is not acceptable. Like folks have certain elements that they connect to but aren't able to express it. Uh, so some folks had brought up like, I wonder in what ways, whether it was like financially or like culturally, she wasn't just able to express some of that like goth emo, you know, dress or and whatnot, knowing that that was actually part of her personality. And I, I thought it was cool that people were bringing it up because folks were sharing like, yeah, I wasn't able to dress like alternatively growing up. And now as an adult, it's something I do because that's what I connect to but it was just not something I was financially able to afford or like culturally would have been accepted within my family. Um, and so a lot of people were connecting to her in that way. So something I want to bring up is just some cool conversation I, I saw folks having about her particular character. Oh, I mean, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. That's what it is. She's from what an Indian background and yes. Pakistani yes. Bangladeshi background. So assuming that she's just like the main character in 2000 for parents, she's a first generation immigrant. She's not going to be able to express her own opinion. Those people are not going to understand, uh, even on our background. Imagine you coming home dressed as a god, the necklace, the skulls, the ring, the trip, the pants, eyeliners, the <laughs> everything, oh. the chains. Your parents will have a heart attack. They'll say, what happened to you? The devil take over your soul. <laughs> oh, my God. This we is what happens when you, you don't put on sunscreen and do exactly. drugs. Send you back to the islands because obviously the culture here is corrupting our poor child and making them different from all of us. So it makes perfect sense. And I mean, like I mentioned before, that's why I connect so much with this movie in a way. Um, it shows you um, you can be different from what your families expect you to do and still be happy and be yourself and still in a way at the end connect to them. And again, it shows with the mom. The mom wanted to be different. She pushed everything that made her different. She even had the same haircut, the same hairstyle. She dressed like her parents. There was nothing original but the mom or the four or five sisters, grandsisters, you know, the grandmother and her sisters. They right. all looked the same. They were all generic. There was no uniqueness. They all followed the same plot That's line. interesting. Which, I didn't even notice how, yeah. how similar they all looked to each other. Exactly. And remember, the if I remember correctly, the director is also asian american which would make perfect canadian. sense canadian yeah? canadian uh, chinese oh, canadian okay chinese um oh yeah asian canadian whatever i guess yeah asian she's asian background let's go with that that's easier which would make sense of her growing up in the early 2000 
not being able to be different than what everyone and her family expect to be, especially since back then there were less, most likely less immigrant in her area. And she only had a small group of people she could interact with, I guess that were the same with her. So they would not expect it to be different. I'm going to say this while on the topic of um, just diversity in general portrayed in this film. Um, I thought it was interesting, all their responses to when they all did the presentations to their parents uh, regarding why they couldn't go to Fortown. Uh, oh, they all had something different. Well, it, when you really think about it, though, you know, May, Priya and Abby are all from, you know, Asian descent households and Miriam is from a you know, what appears to be a white household, yeah. uh, you know, Priya can't go till she's 30. So there's that age limitation. <laughs> uh, you know, can't Abby, boys till you're married. <laughs> right. Abby can't go because they're dancing like strippers. Um, <laughs> if only they knew about K-pop, but. <laughs> right. Uh, May can't go because of their gyrations and their hip hoppers and they're a bad influence on her goals and whatnot. But Miriam just couldn't go. Miriam wasn't told she couldn't go. Miriam was, you better pay for it yourself. Yeah, you can you go, know? but you have to pay for it. <laughs> right. So I, I find it interesting. You know, it's not like uh, so blatantly pointing out the diversity and the different backgrounds of how they grow up. It's subtle. And it's like, if you blink, you miss it. Um, I feel like it works. No, I think uh, it does yeah. work. Uh, shoot, even when you look at how they dress, um, like I'm looking at Tosi's background right now. Um, uh, I'm I look at the three of them, they're all really reserved in how they're dressed, you know. Uh, and then Miriam's shirt, maybe I'm looking too into it, but you know, her shirt's like unbuttoned, she's got a hat on. Uh no, you it know. makes perfect sense. I remember as a kid, I'm gonna be frank with it. Um, my white friends were able to do way more than I was ever able to do. There were things that my wife friends would say, yeah, I did. I'm like, what kind of family do you have, fam? Like, there's no, there's no, like, I guess, punishment or anything. They would say, yeah, I've been out to the movie. I'm coming home at 11 p.m. Like, it's a Wednesday night. My ass better be home by 8 p.m. in bed. That is it. <laughs> there's no, mom, I'm going out with my friends. They'll be like, friend? <laughs> what friends? Have we met their parents? Where the are parents? your they friends? Do for... yeah, exactly. Where are your friends? You know what? Let me just go to the movie with you. And we're going to sit with your friends since we're all friends now. No, like, it makes sense for her. And I guess it's subtle. But for us, since we're all minorities and we're all from minorities family and some of us are from immigrants family, it makes sense. I'm pretty sure you guys probably now remembering all of the um mess our family put us to when we asked them can we go to this person can we do this with our friend and they were like nah mm -mm, that's not gonna happen you know better so yeah, yeah. I do you're breaking up the like do you know the parents that was something <laughs> that like if i were to stay over at someone's house or like oh yep. i'm going here my parents would come in with me and oh, say we're God. gonna meet some folks you know we need to make sure we're gonna vet <laughs> Whoever yeah, and you're trying to push them out of the out. door, but they don't want to It's like, leave. please don't. Like, yes. mom, dad. Yeah. yeah. So even that element, I think something too that I, I rewatched it today, which is why it's sticking with me. Her whole presentation, I did a presentation with my parents about why I should have a dog. I think I was like maybe 11, nice. 12. I had a whole PowerPoint. I, I printed out specific handouts to get them similar to her where she had the little pamphlet that the dad was holding 
Um, so even that, like, here's all the reasons why I should have this dog. Of course, in her case, it, it was the concert was like also like, yeah, I did do that. Like, and I completely forgot until <laughs> they depicted it in the movie. So. Let me guess. They look at you and said, no, we love you. Enough. Oh, yeah. You don't need a did. dog to love you. Yeah. You have all the love from <laughs> us. So what are you saying about us? Yeah, we did <laughs> not get a dog. Yeah. <laughs> yep. There we go. <laughs> they, they, they give you an A for effort. Um, no, that's that's definitely um, funny. Uh, you know, I, I like that because I didn't even see it from that perspective, uh, like seeing how each of the friends in terms of how they were responded to with whether or not they could go to the concert. But now I kind of want to rewatch the movie again because I feel like I'm going to see more of these layers peeled back like an onion um, to see exactly what did I miss the first time? Because now I'm even more interested. And because the story is so simple and what it's trying to tell, I feel like you can even peel back even more than what we're talking about right now. So that's that's definitely interesting. Nice, nice. Um, how would, would you? Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh I, I I don't know if you were gonna say this next, but what? we have not talked about the central relationship of the film, which is oh yes, go ahead. May and Ming. May and know. Ming, right, right. right. Uh, voiced by Sandra O. Oh. The great oh, Sandra O. Oh. Um, I feel like she was, I mean, in the beginning of the film, I mean, I can, I can say at least that I was raised in like a very, like, you know, somewhat uptight household. Um, so I kind of related to that relationship with, um, May and Ming, where, you know, you're always coming in with the good grades, always at the be top of the class with everything, or at least try to be. Um, so I, I, I kind of related to that. And then, you know, seeing that progress towards the end of the film where she kind of just accepted the fact that May should be her own person. She is growing. She she wants to go out and see boy bands. She wants to be with her friends, go out and be herself. I don't know. I, I felt like that simplicity in the plot, it, it, it was kind of charming in it. I, I do have a question about um, the, the family trauma element that they threw in uh, like towards the end. What did you guys think about that? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was gonna say I'm a little confused. Right. Because, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I thought I was the only one. All right. I'm confused because, um, or because, from what it appears or what it was presented, she fought against her mother in order to be with Jin. Shout out to Jin too, by the Shout way. Shout out to Jin. Uh, Jin's a good dad. Um, she fought her mother to be with Jin, which resulted in her mother getting the scar. Um, but here she is, and again, maybe this is such generational trauma she doesn't even realize that she is her mother or she has become her mother but i don't know if you fought for your current husband uh i would take it as you broke away from your mother's influence so i was confused as to why she's very much so like her mother and still afraid of her mother when she already Clear. stood up to her mother right um so i was confused on that i don't think part. she i don't think she embraced her inner panda you know it looks like she shoved that part of herself down and even though she stayed with uh jen who just hit me now feels like a very much like a ghibli dad who's like just like great nice there um and charming um you know it just felt like it felt like yeah she stuck with him but you know she did accept like the talisman or whatever she needed to put you know the panda in um, and she didn't fully embrace that side of herself. So maybe it was just like, you know, a fraction of her broke away. Um, and that was enough to fracture that relationship. And that probably like, you know, probably helped her 
um, you know, suppress that side of her too, that she lost that relationship with her mom as well. So two-edged sword there. Oh, that makes sense. Um, it was only one of those few moments of adverse where um, she lost it and she demanded something and the mom ended, ended up giving in to her, but the mom still wanted something in return. So it's possible the mom said, okay, I'll let you be with this guy, but you need to control this power and lock it in. And again, it's difficult for somebody from an immigrant community to leave this community and never go back. It's a difficult process because that's all you know. It's difficult for her to just pack her bag and say, I'm going to cross town. That's not something you see. So that's what I think it is. Like, it's just her saying, okay, I will accept your husband, but we need to compromise. You still need to do this. In a way, it should that's the mom, even though she compromised with the daughter, the grandma or the mom still had a lot of power or hold over the daughter. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I was going to Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to briefly say, I think I frequently see the case where folks who experience some degree of family trauma, there's family discourse, generational trauma, where you may like break away or still in this case, like she still got married to Jen, they have their own family, et cetera, but there's still an element of healing that wasn't done despite the breaking away. And that's sort of what I saw in that, that regardless of her making the decision to be with Jen and then to eventually have May and have her own entire life, like there was still unhealed uh, trauma within her and within that particular relationship, which we did see in that scene where you know, May was confronting her younger mother um, as far as just like that element of like acceptance and perfectionism and, and hurt, et cetera. I do think, I'm not going to harp on this too much because ultimately it is a kid's movie, but I do think they tried to wrap it up pretty quickly uh, in terms of like, we do need to end the movie and kind of a, a nice way, a positive way, because generational and family trauma is much more complicated than that. But, you know, it's a kid's movie. I'm not going to try to ding them too much on that. But that's what I took it as. It's like there is still a lot that was unhealed despite kind of the breakaway that she did have, which is why she still emulated a lot of her mother, uh, because there's still a lot that was kind of bubbling under that surface. Did did Ming get rid of her panda at the end? She, she did. did. Right? She, she put did. in everyone did. She put in the Tamagotchi, uh, Robert right. Jr. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, she has to get rid of that panda. Her panda is a freaking kaiju. So, you know, <laughs> which, God, which God. is great. Like <laughs> crazy. I, is that supposed to represent like how much she had suppressed? Like that's how much built it can up over be. the years. You can, no, you can look at it like that. So. The dad said earlier. The dad but, said earlier. Yes, he was really. He was. He was really. <laughs> she was really big. And then when she shows up, he's like, yeah, I, I told, told you. Oh my God. I guess, yeah, I guess that was her gimmick. She I mean, the damn kaiju. That's crazy because if she had any experiences like May, she would have took the whole roof off the school. Yeah. How exactly did that work? <laughs> the logic with it. When she first turned it on, she probably obliterated her home. Oh, you know what? You know, it's, uh, maybe. I love that it not... wasn't explained. Just like they're not, maybe, they're like, we're not, we're not addressing this. This is too hard to explain. Well, they called it Pandapocalypse 2002. When you put a year on it, maybe that's not the first Pandapocalypse. So, okay, uh, maybe there was a previous Pandapocalypse 30 years prior. They didn't mention she destroyed the temple, so there's that. Of course, she did. One transformation she, she probably to. took out that whole temple, yeah. So, uh, 
I mean, I, I guess you just have to accept it. Um, but uh, what about, uh, I, I guess the next question I want to ask you guys, like, what did you think about the art style about the, the film? Like, was it, would you compare it to like Luca? Did you compare it to some of other, because I know visually speaking from Pixar's, you know, catalog, they usually have uh, visually striking uh, imagery in their art style. So like the prime example I always go to is like Finding Nemo, right? They, they At least even Finding Nemo for its time and even still to this day, the scenery that they make with like, you know, the 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 reefs, the, the, the ocean bed, it's beautiful. It just pops out, it strikes you and, and you remember it. Um, and I feel like every Pixar movie to a certain degree has done that. But like, w were you guys fans of the art style with uh, Turning Red? I feel yes. like it's something overall that has happened in all animation, at least in the US. They copy each other a lot. So I don't feel like- Oh, it's you think it's a copy? Enough. Yeah, it's not unique enough. Um, and that's my issue. Um, with a lot of the older movies, you could take a random background character, post a picture and say, hey, do you think this character is from what movie? And if you've seen all of the Pixar movies, it's easy to tell. It, there's a uniqueness to it, you know? But with this one, I feel the character is the animation. And I don't want to call it laziness because I know creating movies and drawing all of this is a difficult process. But at the same time, I do feel that it's not only in this movie, it's in TV shows and everything. They kind of copy each other. They just have a copy and paste. There's a lack of originality in stories. And in a way, it's disappointing. The characters are great, but at the end of the day, if you take those characters, you change their clothes and you send them to Luca they're not they're gonna fit in right in with the lore there's nothing really different or unique about them the only thing that's okay. different is their is their the ways they're, they're dressed but that can easily be changed and in a way it's it's sad it shows that every artist is afraid to do something different because they realize oh kids now they were like one thing we're not gonna do anything else and you see it in other media also you see it in video game for a while there were only battle royale video games Fortnite came out and every other video game tried to do Fortnite. It's the same thing with this. The item one person drew something, people liked it, and everyone wanted to copy them. And I'm hoping it changes. And yes, there have been different shows like um the Mitchells and the Machine versus the Machine, Spider-Verse, all of those movies. There's also Lightyear coming out. That looks unique. That's why I cut my attention. It looks different from everything else. And I'm hoping they're moving away from that. So, but from this movie, animation, art style, animation, great art style, disappointing, sad, but yeah. Wow. I disagree. Ooh. I, Ooh. I, <laughs> interesting. When you have a simplistic plot, you gotta have a simplistic art style. Not that you have to have a simplistic art style, but Better explain Pixar, yourself. <laughs> Pixar prides itself on attention to detail, you know, and they have been increasingly uh, widening the gap between, uh, you know, profound art or profound animation. Uh, but I didn't I don't think this movie called for it, you know, like, for example, Toy Story 4 is peak Toy Story. You go watch what a dot what Spike looked like. Uh, I, I think his name is Spike. The Spud, the Spud, dog in Toy Spud. Story 1. Yeah. You go look at that dog and then go look at the cat presented in uh, Toy Story 4. Leagues greater. You go look at the rain and a bug's life and then go look at that rainy scene in Toy Story 4. 
leagues. They've just, they keep on growing. And with this movie, I don't think it called for such an attention to detail, but I do think this movie has its own uniqueness and, uh, Oh, there's another word I can't think of. I don't know. I just found this for me. One, <laughs> the I'm looking at the characters. For me, they look like Muppets. Um, I thought uh, Miriam. You could put her next Muppet. to Grover. She looks just like Grover. Um, and you could go look that up if uh, you don't believe me. But I'm pretty sure she's based off of Grover. Um, okay. But like, I don't know. I think if you took a character from this show, this movie, I'd be like, oh, that they're from Turning Red. Um, but that, but, but that's like character design. I think the Canadian setting was very well done. Very attention to detail. Go look at the fur on the panda. It was very much Pixar. If you ever watch any Pixar documentaries, they hate doing hair. And then they started nailing hair over the years. I think they nailed the panda hair here. Um, but then the biggest thing I think, uh, that this movie you can give credit to, it's so anime influenced. And that was so fun and different watching this movie. You know, their their eyes light up. Uh, you know, they get all giddy for like Four Town or anything. Jin's dad's glasses, and you know the anime glasses where you can't oh, see the, anything. Oh, the white glint. Yeah, the white <laughs> lens. And he's like, like, oh wait a minute, <laughs> he wipes the his glasses. The animation is great, like you mentioned, but the art style. Is it good? Because all you mentioned so far was how great the animation is. And I think we can all agree the animation is excellent. But the art style isn't amazing. That was the question, Grandmaster. You need oh. to answer that specific. <laughs> I think the, because okay. you started off with no, and I'm still waiting for my counter okay, argument. So, it seems okay, that so you're the run out sentence. That's the art paper right here. So you're saying art style. I'm yeah. here for the art style. I'm here for the art style. Okay. I, for me, it's all kind of packaged together. And all the animators probably hate me for packaging all this together but um it works for me it works it's funny like the way abby moves in any scene is so robotic and uh also like just extreme it's hilarious to watch her and then uh i don't know that it's, that's it's animation different. it's i i, I don't know that's hard stuff. <laughs> i'm just messing with you uh, i i think every bit of this movie works but specifically uh, as far as art and animation, I think the anime influence was very fun and very different for Pixar to tackle. Uh, you know, just it's anime. It just emphasizes everything you do. Whatever Jim was cooking looked better than all the stuff Remy made in Ratatouille. So, all the stuff? All the stuff. Everything. All the stuff. All I, the stuff. I, don't, I didn't relax. watch Ratatouille yesterday. And the food Ratatouille. looked good. I, the yeah. food looks good. like I'm... Ratatouille. Like, it made Ratatouille look good. Like, Have you eaten yeah. Ratatouille? I have not. It's vegetable. But I want to I can make a mean Ratatouille. I've made it twice now. <laughs> I have seen it on your Instagram stories. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but did you make it as good as Pixar's Ratatouille? It don't matter because Jin, yes no whatever Jin made was better than any ratatouille I could make. It's okay, good, I will say. Right, it did look good. right. And it was, you know, an ode to the, you know, the classic kind of Japanese animation of like kind of food that you would see like. Oh, I was getting food war movie. vibes the whole time. And yeah, food wars too, which I think is like, you know, a branch of that um original tree but um yeah the art style like i'm i'm not gonna pretend i know the difference it definitely felt like i really dig like kind of like the pastel 
I don't know if I'm using that right, but the like kind of pastel backgrounds, the way Toronto looked. Um, whenever I caught like, uh, you know, a view of like the skyline and stuff like that, I thought like, you know, it was very beautiful, but it wasn't like the colors weren't super popping when all the characters, like the red, so popping. Like it was just like a really nice contrast um, between that. And then, yeah, as for the animation, you know, I think it's really funny because I feel like you're heavily on um, like Twitter, like I am. It's like, there's like this kind of group um, that's really pro <laughs> yes. experimental animation. And um, <laughs> right, I... <laughs> and it's like, they all swear by Spider-Verse because, you know, it took some swings and I think I like Spider-Verse, but you know, because it took some swings, it, it's not better than Spider-Man 2 in my opinion. Um, you know, they're, you know, oh. they're really high about like Mitchell's versus the machines when it comes to, you know, this Oscar best animated feature race too. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's like a fascinating kind of like divergence. It feels like we're going in. It felt like this movie was somewhat in the middle where, you know, it kind of like had some of the, the characters got really animated and they turned into like an anime character. Um, and some of that, you know, when they enter the panda spiritual world, that felt a little different. Um, you know, it felt like they were like mixing some different animation styles in there. Um, but obviously it wasn't on the level of Spider-Verse and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. It's like definitely feels like if there's a divergence that's happening, it felt like this was somewhat in the middle. Um, I'm still kind of on the train that I think like I prefer, not prefer, but like I'm still really enjoying like the traditional style and I don't necessarily need the experimentation mixed in. Um, but I still think this was like, you know, I think it accomplished what it was trying to do. And I think it did a good job. I guess the ultimate question comes down to now, how would you all rank this movie amongst the Pixar greats of mm. yesteryear? And I'm talking about the entire catalog, baby. I'm talking about Toy Story. I'm talking about <laughs> Finding Nemo, Ratatouille, Up. I'm talking every single one. How would you guys compare? Because, you know, at least before this film, you didn't you didn't really hear too many talks about people comparing like um, I don't know, is Onward better than Toy Story One? <laughs> you know, like you didn't really hear that conversation. With Turning Red, there's some parties that are thinking that this is probably one of Pixar's like top five films that they've ever made. So I guess I want to throw that out there. What? How would you all rank your Pixar's <laughs> your, your Pixar's in order or? How would Turning Red rank amongst them? I think it's breaking my top 10. Um, I'll have to revisit the list. I haven't yet because it's still pretty fresh. But I really, en I, I enjoy simplicity. Um, you know, uh, I really enjoy this film. I love, I love, there's not, I, there's not one thing I don't like about this film. Uh, so I think it's breaking top 10. And as past years ago oh god i'm not gonna pull up my list right now i don't think any pixar film in the last 10 years has broken my top 10 uh i think toy story 3 is the last one to enter that list and that I'm came sure out in toy story 3 was 20 i'm sure inside out did oh um, snap maybe it did i forgot about inside out all right <laughs> that's, really good. Good. that's only two cars only two. two cars two <laughs> You're always simping cars too. Shut the no, absolutely not. 
No. Next thing you're going to say is planes. And planes ain't even Pixar. I was going to say good dinosaur, but sure, planes. No, absolutely not. Move I, on. I, I will say this breaks. I, just, I, I need to go back because I know what my top five are. I, I know this is not breaking my top five. I would need to think really hard to see if it breaks into the top 10, but I don't even know like what's really like number nine or 10, you know? Cause like Pixar has a big catalog. You have to go through the entire list and be like, okay, is it better than this one? Is it better than this one? Um, I, I want to say it does. It probably comes in at 10, but that that's only a testament to how good the rest of Pixar's catalog is. Pixar has made some pretty, pretty good bangers, you know? Um, I just don't know if it's, on the same level as some of my favorites. Again, maybe part of that is nostalgia. What's that is the nostalgia five. talking, right? Part part of it might be that. Um, but this this is a great film. I, I think I think someone said it earlier. This is easily in the last like four to five years, this is Pixar's best movie, I think. Uh it's it's up there with Luca. I really like Luca. And I think this one's a little bit better than Luca. Um uh, it's I haven't seen Soul, but I'll trust you guys in saying that it's maybe better than Soul. <laughs> it is better than Onward. I I, I liked Onward. I liked. I disagree Onward. with that. Um, oh, okay. Toasty. By all means. Uh, where is this ranking? I'm sure Turning Red is in your top five easily. Um, no, not top five. Um, but you mentioned it before, Doctor Chase. Uh, not ranking in the top five or top ten doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. However, Pixar catalog is so great, it's kind of difficult to compete with the best. And I think the last time I did the reading, I was talking to you. Um, I want to say it's definitely in the top 15, which is still good out of 25 movies. But um, top five, no. The top five movies are exceptional to me. Uh, for me, those are movies I can rewatch nonstop, you know? movies i see on or i got out of my way to put on tv to rewatch this movie personal opinion if it's on tv would i watch it again yes would i go out of my way to turn it on right now no not really i'd rather turn on toy story i'd rather turn on um finding nemo i'd rather turn on incredible onward yes onward <laughs> but um <laughs> eternal hey, onward's you good. Know? <laughs> yeah a tom onward. holland stand yeah Eternals, right. you know, stuff like that. Good movies, good entertaining family movies. Eternals is in your top picture. Okay, I, I, I trust your opinion. Yes, it broke. It's so good. It just broke the metaverse and joined another animation style, another studio. So, um, okay. but it's a good movie. So it's one of those things for the people listening. I don't mean it's a bad movie. It's just, it's good. But I just have movies that I prefer so much more. But yeah, top 15. Let's just go with that. Enough rambling. Okay. Dr. Rika, how's it I, going? I pulled up my, my letterbox because I, I cloned Grandmaster Hoops Pixar list. And Yay, redid it up. for mine, yes, because I do have Pro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pro. <laughs> to be fair, though, Pro is only like $20 a year. And I do recommend it. It's very helpful because you can clone lists. Anyway, I think letterbox should support me, you know, monetarily. <laughs> like you said Pro. What do you mean by Pro? <laughs> Oh, so Letterboxd is a free app where you can like track your movies and look at people's lists that they've created. Okay. You can then pay like $20 a year 
for a pro version, which gives you access to more like things. Options. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yes. Okay. Options. Thank you. Uh, okay. Yes. So I have that version uh, just so I have access to those things. Anyway, um, I have it. I should say that as far as my favorite Pixar films, I don't feel as connected to some of the more nostalgic popular ones as a lot of people do. Um, so this comes in at number six for me. Um, I just felt more connected to it. There are a few that, that are above it that are like my nostalgia picks and whatnot that I still ve feel very strongly about. Uh, I rewatched Ratatouille yesterday, still love it. Uh, so Ratatouille is above this one, for example. Uh, but it's at about six for me, so it's definitely cracking my top 10. All right, Hooper TV, close us out. All right, so I keep a list in my notes app and, um, you know, I look at it and update it periodically. And, um, you know, what's funny that after watching it, you know, I gave it some thought. I didn't like rush to throw it on here, but it slid in at number 13, which sounds harsh, but if you really think about it, um, you know, what's above it is Toy Story, Wally, -E, Finding Nemo, Inside Out, The Incredibles, Coco, Monsters Inc., Ratatouille. The ones that are kind of questionable are Luca, which is more recent, A Bug's Life, which is, you know, kind of hit or miss for some people. And then Toy Story 3, that hits like kind of a, a really you had to be there moment. You had to be a child when you saw Toy Story 1 and you'd have to be like graduating high school, like I think I was, um, going off to college when Toy Story 3 came out to like for really, really to sing for you. Um, so it's like also behind all those and cars, which I think is like kind of underrated. But anyways, um, <laughs> I say all that to say that it kind of slid in there um, without me like, you know, wanting to punish it. You know, I had it above up. I had it above Toy Story 2, Ooh, which a lot wow. of people, you know, kind of adore as well as like all the other not great sequels. I think the biggest thing for this um, I'm gonna see if I can kind of land this thought, is that I feel like a lot of Pixar movies, they have this like great opening where they're like establishing the world, the rules, introducing you to the characters. And usually Pixar doesn't miss when it comes to this kind of like laying the groundwork. And I think Turning Red, I was like on board with it. Like I was like, oh yes, wow, this mom is embarrassing the hell out of this child. Holy snap, what is she doing? And I was like so locked in. Pixar also nails the ending. Um, you know, when it comes time to make you feel emotional and it's wrapping things up in a beautiful bow, you know, um, not necessarily plot twist, but kind of like taking to you in a direction you didn't quite see coming. I think Pixar has proven they're great with that. Where Pixar, I think, struggles sometimes or what their goal usually is, is just to connect these two things. Um, and a lot of times I feel like they're a little shaky, you know, like Wally, -E, which I think has the greatest opening maybe of any movie. Um, and as well as like some of the emotional moments with like, you know, Wally -E coming back to life because of Eve's, Eve's love at the end, that middle part when he's like on the ship, there's a little bit of like, kind of like, I'm not nearly as locked in as normal. Um, but it doesn't lose me in Wally. -E. And I say all this to say that in the middle part of Turning Red, I felt myself slowly disengaging. Like the panda thing, as I mentioned in the beginning, like I kind of like started thinking about the symbolism and I was like, is this symbol working? Um, you know, I liked early on when the mom was embarrassing 
her. When it kind of became about like her impressing her friends and making money, I felt less, you know, as riveted as I did early on. Um, and I felt, and I think what happened is that sometimes Pixar is able to bring you back and hit you with the emotional moment. But when it came time for Turning Red to bring me back and try to hit me with the emotional moment, I think I would have gone too far um, down the, I guess, rabbit hole for lack of a better term. Um, but with all that said, I think, you know, based off this conversation and kind of like hearing the different perfect perspectives on this pod, you know, I think it is worth a rewatch. And I think like going in with it with like, you know, a fresher, a fresh mind, um, you know, an open mind to like maybe seeing it differently, maybe it would impact me differently. Um, and then I could move it up. So I still think it has a high hill to climb because like the movies ahead of it, I think are like, just like great or just like really live with me nostalgically. Um, but there's a chance. So there's a chance. That's that's fair enough. I can say I'm probably going to watch this movie again uh, within the next 24 hours. I, I definitely want to see it. See if it maybe affects my opinion at all of it. Because, uh, you know, this talking about it here definitely has opened my eyes on certain perspectives with the film. So I definitely want to give it another watch and see if that affects like where I'm putting it. Um, but uh, is there anything else you guys want to say about like what you expect from Pixar moving forward? Do you want more simple stories like this or the, uh, more originals, no more sequels, <laughs> just <laughs> original ideas from here on out? Just want to say one quick thing. Yes, more to originality. I don't need any more sequels unless the sequels are going to be original. No Finding Toy Story 5? I don't. Well, how are you going to do Toy Story 5? New I set mean, of toys. Okay, see, that's what I'm talking about. If you're going to do sequels, they better be original. Incredibles 2, Finding Dory are carbon copies at the heart. Um, there ain't nothing original about them. Um, but speaking okay. of, you know, Turning Red, Turning Red is a great step forward, as was, uh, I think, Soul was a great step forward as far as highlighting, you know, different you know uh like ethnic backgrounds race uh culture um i like how they're moving with that you know uh domi she uh she got a lot of recognition for bow and now they gave her you know a film and i'm like oh, that's, that's right she did do bow she did bow right that one was really good yes yes okay. so i'm i'm glad they're like all right give this girl a movie because she deserves <laughs> it um She's been with so, Pixar for a while. She's uh, been, yeah, like, she's been at Pixar for a good minute. Um, Pete Doctor is, she credited him as her mentor. Um, so, um, you know, she's working right under those those people who give you all your top tens and top five. Right, so, right. You know, uh, give her another film. I'm sure she's going to do. Learning from the greats. I mean, right. if Bao was that good, I mean, yeah, she can. Bao's a short film. Bao is eight <laughs> yeah. minutes long. I was the one making the bunch, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Which is yes. why maybe they show it in this movie also. They had a oh, like, couple scenes where they show her making the buns and she showed it to the dad and he was like, yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. no, they no, they that, even that... had a reference. I think there was like a bow restaurant like as she was walking down the street somewhere. It was oh, cool. Really? Yeah, oh, it was. Yeah, there was. It was, yeah, there it was, was. like a sign for it. It was nice. The only thing I saw was a Pizza Planet truck, uh, but whatever. Uh, um, uh, God, I forgot. That's a played out gag in Pixar. Yeah. There's the uh, Lightyear logo on... Um, on a uh, Miriam skateboard. Oh, didn't see that. 
It was it's um, like blinking, you miss it. Like like with any Pixar movie, it's there for like five seconds at most. And then they're good. They're good. Gone. Oh, and the 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 goth boy who she googled eyed at, his shirt uh said um the same band who played at the Battle of the Bands in Coco. Uh, it was like Iscapotula uh oh, or something. Okay. Um Never watched but, that movie. I need to watch that one too. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. oh, well, I'm not gonna. Look, I'm gonna finish my thought real quick. Then I'll get on you yeah. about not watching Coco. Um, <laughs> you know, as much as we can relate to this film because it is very relatable across the board. Um, I know Tangelo, uh, Supernova Tangelo. Uh, he just wanted to give his sentiments to this pod, but uh, he is a Asian. He's an Asian immigrant descent. Uh, and he really felt this movie did a really good job at portraying like kind of like um, the uh, the I don't know if the correct word is plight of, you know, the young uh, Asian American or Asian Canadian from an immigrant family as far as, you know, uh, the cultural aspect and that perspective. So um, I, 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 I'm glad Pixar is giving films to those who may have not had a film before may have not seen themselves in films before uh because you know it's kind of it was it's been kind of white across the board as we were growing up so i would like pixar to keep going in this direction uh give more people uh films like this so they can you know see themselves so i like that that's all i gotta say go turn in red i think it broke it i think it's number six for me i did it on my letterbox i think it, it broke number six so, oh, it's it's your number six? I think so. Yeah. What did you say earlier? It was eleven. No, it was gonna break top ten. I knew it was oh, gonna break okay. top ten. Oh, <laughs> okay. It's already halfway. Okay. All right. Yeah, and it might get number one by the end of today. <laughs> I I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. But it is a great film. Uh, if you guys have not seen it, uh, those of you, those of you that are listening to the Yonko table, go and watch it. It's on Disney Plus. Great film and a uh, lot of lot of layers, a lot of layers to this onion. But um. Yeah, I would I would say that wraps up our thoughts here on the Yonko table. Let us know what you think about the film. How would you rank it amongst Pixar's catalog? Do you think it's better than Toy Story? Did you relate to the story at all? Uh, what were some of the perspectives that you saw it in? Uh, also, shout out to uh, <laughs> my boy, the, the Grubhub advert. He carried the weight of this movie on his back. And yeah, this is a testament to Nino Desplazados, <laughs> Supernova, <laughs> Supernova Nino, <laughs> loving this character. I, I don't know why I, I put it here before Nino. I, he loves this character. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, but let us know what you think about Turning Red. And if you liked what we had to say, share us around, drop us a like. We're on social media platforms like YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Twitter, at the Yonko table. Give us a like, share us around. And let us know what you think. But with that, everyone, I'm your Yonko host, Dr. Jace Attorney, fellow Yonko Grandmaster Hoop, and Supernova's Dr. Rika, Toasty, and regrettably, Admiral Hooper TV. Take care, guys. Wait, do you want to oh. sing real quick? Do you want to sing to close it out? Oh, my. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Let's go. Toasty, where are you at? He's busy laughing.
Cut it. Cut it. Nobody but you. Nobody for you. Cut it. Cut it. Take care, guys.